Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your mind, maybe we never leave you trembling with anticipation. (laughs) But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So today we are continuing our discussion on horror musicals with the 1975 film The Rocky Horror Picture Show, or as I like to think of it, the definitive horror musical. Yes. (laughs) This is a film that was directed by Jim Sharman, uh, who grew up around the circus, actually, which he's not (laughs) actually not the only person associated with the circus in any way uh, in this film, but uh, grew up around the circus, uh, where his dad and grandpa ran a boxing sideshow, which I just thought was interesting. Uh, He directed theater before doing the Rocky Horror Picture Show, including Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar. Makes sense. Uh, Indeed. Uh, Before doing the Rocky Horror Show, the stage production, uh, which allowed him to then go on to direct the movie, which was his second film, I believe. The script for the film was written by Jim Sharman based on Richard O'Brien's musical. Uh, O'Brien grew up loving rock and roll and horror and kind of used the Rocky Horror Show, which was originally called for the stage production, to combine both of those. Uh, he met Jim Sharman in 1972 when he was cast in Jesus Christ Superstar, mentioned the Rocky Horror Show that he was working on and writing, and eventually they went on to do that together, uh, and it was retitled from Rocky Horror to the Rocky Horror Picture Show and opened in 1973. The film stars Susan Sarandon as Janet, who made her film debut at the movie Joe in 1970 after now ex-husband Chris Sarandon brought her to audition to read with. Uh, And she was kind of, you know, she sparked the director's attention and (laughs) ended up up actually getting the role for Joe. So uh, she's also in the film The Hunger, you know, for another horror film you can find her in. Uh, And of course, you know, famous for movies like Thelma and Louise, which is actually, I think, where I first saw her in growing up. And also stars Barry Boswick as Brad, who occasionally worked as a circus performer. Like, (laughs) like I was saying, not the only circus person from Jim Sharman. Uh, Uh, He made his stage debut at 22 uh, on Take Her, She's Mine. He shows up in the horror film Project Metal Vs, which of course I have to mention because it's a ridiculous werewolf movie that I personally adore that also has Kane Hodder playing the werewolf. Amazing. And I have to mention it because like fucking nobody has seen that movie. (laughs) So so, So you gotta. So you gotta. It's not great. It's not perfect, but it's a lot of fun. And, and of course, uh, you know, Barry Boston was also well known for his role on Spin City, the TV series, which is where I believe I first saw him on as a kid. My parents uh, loved that show. So did mine. I, I, f- <laughs> I feel like a lot of parents probably did. So, <laughs> Of course, it has Tim Curry as Dr. Frank Inferter, uh, who originated the role on stage. Uh, and this- I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, he originated the role on stage. Uh, this was his feature film debut. He had been in a couple TV series, I think, before this, but this was his film debut. He also, of course, played Darkness in Legend, uh, which we all know that iconic image of him as Darkness. Uh, and, of course, the first film I saw him in, uh, Pennywise, he played in the movie <laughs> It and scared the shit out of me. So. <laughs> and then, it, you know, he was also Wadsworth in Clue, which is another role that he's famous for. I mean, it's Tim Curry. He, Tim, he's Tim been Cur in so much. He's Tim, amazing. Tim Curry has a long list of legendary performances. <laughs> Personally, my favorite is Long John Silver from Muppets Treasure it, Island. It would be. Uh, <laughs> and then... Uh, the film also has Patricia Quinn as Magenta, uh, who also originated her role on stage. And she did a lot of television before her breakout role in Rocky Horror. Uh, she also appears in the horror film The Lords of Salem from Rob oh. Zombie, so you can see her there too. Uh, and, and look, I, we always only try to keep the cast limited that we're mentioning <laughs> at the opening here, but there's a lot of great actors in this that, that we'll mention throughout. So, and, and for those who have never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, where have you been? Also, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, it, for those that haven't seen it, it's basically about a couple named Brad and Janet who are kind of like your typical... I don't know, uptight white American teenagers or yeah. whatever. <laughs> All American teenagers. Yeah, yeah. And and they end up having a flat tire and they find themselves at the castle of Dr. Frankenfurter, uh, who is this kind of like boisterous transsexual who basically is like, you know, I, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. Like, it, it's basically like, you know, he, he, he takes them in and then it, through the course of the night, Brad and Jana are being introduced to Frankenfurter and all of his servants and whatnot and kind of finding themselves more like becoming more sexually free, let's yeah. say. So he opens up their sexuality. <laughs> he seduces uh, everybody. Yes, exactly. So it's it's just a really fun play on, you know, a lot of like classic horror films from the 50s and the 60s. Uh, and then kind of introducing like the sort of like queer culture that, you know, I feel like a lot of America just either ignored or didn't know about, you know, and yep. so it's just a very explosive film for a lot of reasons. And I absolutely adore it for that. And so we are going to be spoiling the hell out of this movie. So if you have not seen it, please go check it out. It is not streaming, unfortunately, that I know of, but well, 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 well <laughs> worth your rental dollars. I mean, if I, if I have to recommend any movie from this month, that you haven't seen, it's got to be the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. You know, this film is incredible. I like if you get a chance and you can ever go to the midnight showings of Rocky Horror, they're an amazing experience. That's really how I would say you should experience Rocky Horror if you get the chance. Yeah, although although I will say, you know, for for those people who actually like to watch their movie <laughs> the ah. first the first time, no, 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 there are those people out there. Yeah. We gotta respect them too, you know. So for those who actually like to watch a film the first time that they see it and mm -hmm. don't want to have like distractions or anything. Uh, I would not recommend the midnight screening because it is going to be the loudest yes. screening you've ever been to. You know, like the 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 cult following with the Rocky Horror Picture Show is, is legendary in and of itself. Yep. And it, you know, this is not this is not a movie that if if you want to pay attention that you that you want to see the first time on screen because the crowd is going to be going wild. <laughs> okay, however, fair however, enough. however, I will say if you don't mind that. 
then yes, absolutely let your first time be on screen because it's an amazing experience. So so anyway, we're going to be spoiling it. So check it out if you haven't seen it beforehand. Uh, we do have our usual or brief little bit of spoiler-free content before we get into that, though. And I also want to forewarn everybody, I am already half a, <laughs> I, I am already knee-deep into my glass of whiskey, so I apologize for however I am on this episode. <laughs> it's a little late coming home, and Matt started without me. I did, I did. Uh, so <laughs> just want to start off with the tagline versus the film, and kind of what we think of that in the movie overall. So the tagline for the Rocky Horror Picture Show was, Give yourself over to absolute pleasure. <laughs> so I, what do you think of the tagline? And what do you think of Rocky Horror overall? I mean, obviously, I love the tagline. Tagline's perfect. No notes. Amazing. No um, notes. Perfection. No, yeah. I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's also, you know, this is a movie that was really important to me growing, growing up. I think mm. maybe I had seen it by myself in the basement like before I went and saw it for a midnight screening, but seeing it in the midnight screening with everybody yelling things out and getting up and dancing and dressing up for a kid in the Midwest, it, this was huge. This was everything to me. There was no queer culture where I mm -hmm. was. There just wasn't something that was talked about really. And so being able to be a part of this experience was such a huge part of like high school. And I only got to do it during the summertime. The Milwaukee show that has is one of the longest running ones, but high school student, I was only able to go during the summer, but it was my favorite things. Rocky Horror is such an amazing movie and I will fight anybody. If you don't like it, that's totally fine. I'll <laughs> yeah, respect no, that, but I might fight you a little bit. Everyone's welcome to their opinions, but, uh, but no, I mean, look, you know, th this movie was important for a lot of people. You know, I, I feel like, that, and we'll get more into this as we get into spoilers, but like, you know, I feel like the Rocky Horror Picture Show was that film that was like the awakening for the sexuality of many, many people. You yeah. Because uh, it's not to say that like films didn't talk about any of this before Rocky Horror, mm -hmm. but Rocky Horror was definitely the film that like made the idea, I think, of like queer culture and trans culture like mainstream, so mm -hmm. to speak. Like, you know, a, a lot of like Richard O'Brien and, and Patricia O'Quinn actually on the commentary like to claim that you know, that this film basically invented punk, you know, and, <laughs> and, and while that can certainly be disputed, you know, mm -hmm. I, I will say that like, yeah, you know, this film, this film, it, whether or not it invented punk, it, it certainly was a lot of our first kind of, you know, introduction to like that culture and, and the queer culture, you know, yeah. and just like the queer community. And, you know, and, and Chris is absolutely right. Like, look, I grew up in the Midwest too, uh, you know, weirdly enough, just an hour away from where Chris grew up at, you know, we didn't meet each other until our twenties, but, nope. but, but I grew up in the Midwest as well in Illinois. And, you know, I agree with her that like, we just, you know, especially in the nineties too. Well, I shouldn't say especially in the nineties cause it's not like it wasn't horrible before this, but you know, the nineties were not exactly super welcoming to the queer community either. Yeah. And it's so like, I grew up without much of a queer community around me either, you know? And, and of course, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to throw hate at like my family or anything like that, but like, <laughs> you know, my, my family and friends just weren't, you know, not all of them were exactly like open to the queer culture either, yeah. you know? Uh, again, being from the Midwest, where everyone is super close-minded. Yes. <laughs> you know, so Rocky Horror was also really important for me as well because, you know, this was a film that I discovered in high school, uh, which, you know, it was funny because as a kid, I, I remember initially being disappointed when I found out what the Rocky Horror Picture Show was. And I, I'm talking That's like... I'm talking, I'm talking like kid, kid, all right, before I even understood sexuality, when I'm talking about like, you know, seven or eight or something like that. And, 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 you know, I, I was so obsessed with horror that 
when I heard the Rocky Horror Picture Show, this was back when I'm still thinking like everything with horror better be like horror, you know, and and so and not a musical romp, and, and not a musical <laughs> romp, you know, about like sexuality and stuff. So like as a kid, I was like, I don't get it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't seen it as a kid, but I found out what it was uh, through all things. I think uh, the Drew Carey show <laughs> might have been like the first mention I heard of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know. Uh, and, and so like, I didn't really know what it was. And then in high school, you know, as I was, as I was getting more and more into film and kind of understanding it, uh, I had some friends that took me to one of the midnight screenings, you know, and it was a fucking blast. And, and, you know, and it just kind of like, it it opened up so many things for me. It was the first time that, that I ever like wore eyeshadow or anything like that, uh, which is a, which I know. never worn that for me ever. You've never asked me to, uh, which. (laughs) I can place your body. Which, (laughs) which, you know, I I know doesn't sound like a lot, you know, for, for like this generation now, but like. It's huge in the Midwest. For, for like a cis male growing up in the nineties, you know, like that, (laughs) that wasn't exactly something that we did a lot. Right. So, so. was a big deal for me and it just like you know it was just kind of this night of like like kind of opening up like my my own kind of you know uh perception of like the world around me and that kind of stuff and sexuality and all that and and just realizing that like you know it's not quote-unquote weird or or not normal or whatever you know and it's just like it's just being yourself and and look and look i found tim curry sexy as hell too you know like this entire cast is just goddamn hot yeah if you if you didn't find tech if you didn't find Tim Curry at least a little bit sexy, I would have had to divorce you. That would have been our, <laughs> our line. I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, this entire cast can get it, all right? So Even Riff Raff? Even Riff Raff. Okay. You know? <laughs> I, draw the, I draw the line at Riff Raff. I'm sorry. That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're just... Well, look, I mean, he has a damn hump on his back in the movie, so, like, <laughs> not totally fair to him. But, <sighs> but look, anyway, I, I can rant forever. The point is, is that Rocky Horror Picture Show... Is, is an awakening movie for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. And and the experience of seeing it, of dressing up, you know, whether you're dressing up slutty or or, or kind of like expanding your horizons on the way you dress, however, however it is for you, the whole point is that you're you it's it's kind of like this first time for a lot of us to really open ourselves up to the idea of sexuality and kind of like expand our minds on what that means for each of us, you know? Yeah. It's an Uh, opportunity for experimentation, which is important. Yeah, exactly. Like again, especially growing up in areas like the Midwest where Mm. it's very hammered into you of like boy, girl, penis, vagina, (laughs) go together, you know, like it's, it's like hammered into you that there's nothing besides like, boring straight marriages right and like <laughs> i turned a repressed preppy boy into a dude into snm because of rocky horror picture show Goddamn right you did good for you and good for him so, <laughs> uh so look all right so you know so so moving on so moving on from that part of it you know i i, I do want to also mention too uh chris and i were total dum-dums uh when we talked about little shop of horrors and talking about how the actress who plays audrey was like the first ever you know, uh, to originate their performance and then do it for the movie. And, and, you know, everyone who did that commentary saying the same thing, it can also be considered dum-dums because, of course, Rocky Horror Picture Show did it first. <laughs> I feel uh, like that just goes to show the fact that the queer culture gets swept under the rug sometimes. Well, well, it does get swept under the rug, you know. Uh, and, and, and yeah, like, yeah, many many of the cast uh, for the film originated it or originated the performances on stage, you know. Uh, like Dr. Frankenfurter as Tim Curry, uh, 
uh, Riff Raff is Richard O'Brien, Magenta is Patricia O'Quinn, Columbia is Neil Campbell, you know, like that, or is Neil Campbell, um, you know, like they all originated and, and, and yeah, it, this film, because of how different it was, you know, at the time it was, it didn't initially do well, you know, because I mm-hmm. think, I think people didn't understand it or get it or it was too quote-unquote weird for them or whatever you know and but where it found its footing was as was during midnight screenings you know and and it became popular there uh where it would play at midnight and the midnight crowd just fucking loved it you know and and it's played midnight (laughs) at theaters ever since 1975 you know like it's like and and that kind of makes it like the longest running really theatrical release ever because it's still going today. So, Damn straight. <laughs> all right, so we are going to get into the spoilers now. So again, if you have not seen the film, please go check it out. Otherwise, we're going to ruin everything for you that we can. <laughs> uh, so so moving to spoilers now. I also want to brief uh, mention as well. Again, Rocky Horror Picture Show been around since like the 1970s. One of the most and this is like indisputable, one of the most popular films of all time. Yep. I don't think Chris and I are going to say anything that's completely original <laughs> with this movie, that's totally unique, you know. Uh, but we're going to try to approach it like from kind of our own experiences and, you know, looking at it through a modern lens. So, like, I'm, I guess what I'm just saying is don't expect to have your mind blown. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and, and there's probably others of you out there that are bigger fans of this movie than we are, you know. So, there's, we hope. We hope you enjoy. So anyway, um, <laughs> let's just start off with, I think, the the opening of the film, of course, you know. Mm. And I want to talk about the fact, not the opening song with Damn It, Janet, or well, I guess the opening song is science fiction double feature, but we're, but you know, Damn It, Janet's kind of like the first, like, scene and dance song. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about how the fact that Riff Raff, uh, Magenta, and Frankenfurter all actually appear in the opening scene, mm-hmm. and, and it's you might not notice them initially because they're dressed 100% differently yep. <laughs> than they are later in the film. You know, like you got Frankenfurter, basically it, it, the film opens at this church and he's dressed as like a priest. And then Magenta and Riff Raff are dressed as basically the, the American Gothic old yep. couple, you know, that you see from the painting with like the old woman and the guy with the pitchfork, you know? Uh, so just what, let's start off. Just what are your thoughts on the fact that we open with that and them being there? <laughs> I personally think that it's such a smart way to open the film because it, even though you don't know it, it's setting a tone for what this movie's really going to be talking about. And I think that it kind of goes back to what we were just saying with, you know, talking about Little Shop of Horrors and, you know, her being the first one and completely ignoring Rocky Horror Picture Show for having the Broadway stars star in the movie. And I think that it's commentating on the fact that queer culture is always there. You know, mm. there there's always this kind of conversation sometimes, and we get it in the Midwest a lot, where, you know, there's this conversation about like, oh, but I don't know anybody who's gay. Mm. I don't know any trans people. And the entire queer community is just like, fuck yeah, you do. You just haven't realized that you're talking to them. Right. You haven't realized that they're there. And I think that's really what this movie is starting off with, is that, you know, there's this picture of Americana, you mm. know, and it really does come down to the wedding. 
the wedding between a man and a woman and you know it's very straight culture almost to the it, po- it's obnoxiously straight it's obnoxiously <laughs> straight it's obnoxiously kind of misogynistic because oh, there's yeah. there's that whole line on the fucking car they're driving away where it says she got hers now he's gonna get his tonight like you're broadcasting <laughs> that whether she likes it or not her husband's gonna fuck her yeah. like it's kind of well, fucked up well not to mention it's also you know you know that fits into like that typical straight culture you know mentality of like of like oh you know the ball and chain like oh mm-hmm. the the wedding's all her thing you know and like yeah. i don't really want to get married but hey i get the fuck tonight you know <laughs> like it's such a goddamn midwest thing you know chris and i had a whole long conversation about this in the car the other day <laughs> about how obnoxious that concept is of like you know that that we grew up or that we grew up with mm-hmm. where it's this like idea that you know, as a straight married couple, you're supposed to like hate your partner or something. And it's like, no, fuck that. You know, like Chris and I like to do everything together unless yeah. it's something that the other one hates, you know? <laughs> and, you know, like I'm not going to like pottery shows or something. Chris doesn't Why do am that. I going to pottery shows? You're not going to pottery shows. <laughs> but that's just a random example, you know? But like, <laughs> but, but the, what I mean is like, you know, it, of course there are certain things we don't do together because we don't like it, but. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like, we do everything together, you know, because we love each other. Yeah, like, we like each other's company. Right, and that's how we're, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. And, and you know, straight people or or people that that want to believe so much that they're straight, mm-hmm. you know, want to believe that so badly that they're willing to, like, make their fucking lives miserable yep. <laughs> just to have the appearance of being straight, you know? Yeah. That, that so, so I want to add, I, I love your reading of this, you know. I, I love that you look at it in... I mean, I guess it's not quite positive because, you know, it, it references the idea that very unfortunately the queer community largely has felt in the past and still does, especially now with, you know, all the bullshit that's happening in, in Republican states, uh, you know, ha- has felt the need to kind of hide, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that and that is a shame, but I like I like your more positive reading on it in that, and that, you know, it, it is this kind of idea of like, yeah, of course, the they're, you know, the, the queer community is all around us, you yeah. know, they're just, you know, unfortunately, uh, in the past, especially like they've had to hide because you're also fucking persecuting. But kind of my initial reading off of it was, you know, I, I like seeing these three characters uh, in the background of this just looking completely bored and miserable <laughs> and just like annoyed like they just can't wait to get home you know yeah because not only does it reference what you're saying but i also think that it kind of just speaks to the the misery of you know just like straight life so to speak like yeah. like you know and, and I, <laughs> well and i i feel like that's why in damn it janet damn it janet is supposed to be you know it's brad declaring his love for janet it's them you know, getting engaged. It's supposed to be this monumentous moment of love. Mm. Um, but you watch that entire song, it's it's a moment of death. The song, oh, yeah. yeah, the song starts in the graveyard. Like when they're going into the church, the flowers are getting changed from a, a wedding arrangement to a funeral arrangement. There's a mm. coffin in there, you know, and I feel like it's this thing that we don't find out until later, but Janet and Brad both kind of following this path following this path that's been set out for them is, you know, it's a death for them, you know, and it's something that like, 
you know, yes, the queer community has always been there, but especially in the Midwest or any any state, because there's a lot of states, there's a lot of communities that deal with this, where you might not even be super aware of your own queerness mm. type of thing, like because you're not exposed well, to it or anything like that. And so you're following this trend that everybody has set down for you. Well, well and, and that's the point, right? So first of all, yeah, the death thing, you know, I, again, again, one of my... When a musical is done well, I mm-hmm. think is when it really uh, accentuates the irony of everything, you know? So, like, the the background in this opening scene is just excellent because yep. you've got, you know, yeah, they're singing the song in a cemetery. And, you know, I love that there's this billboard in the background that says home and happiness and here they are like in, <laughs> in a the cemetery, cemetery full of death right <laughs> and then and then yeah there's the whole coffin in the church that that's wheeled in when brad says there's one thing left to do you know <laughs> basically basically kind of signifying like yeah there's one thing left to do is we just fucking get married and just and, die, and, die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <'cause, laughs> and 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 you know so you've got that going on there's there's this book with the title marital law in the criminologist's office uh played by charles gray uh you know which i i i, I like the i i like the marital law of it all you know because it makes it seem like so it's a just, law to get married yeah it makes it seem like so forced and just like boring and not a good thing right yeah. you know like not a thing that leads to happiness and so you know it's just kind of this this whole beginning is like look you know, there's nothing wrong with being straight, but it's it's more so to say, like, you know, we're, we're hammered into ourselves uh, growing up a lot of times, you know, depending on the environment we're raised in, and especially by society, we have this idea hammered into us of, like, straight is, quote-unquote, normal, you mm-hmm. know, and whatever, and, and the whole point, I think, this opening song is like, no, it's not. No. You know, like, it's not, like, that. that's just what the fucking, you know, goddamn Christians and Catholics and whatever <laughs> want us to believe, you know? Yeah. But but the whole thing is, like, sexuality is so much, you know, there, there's so much more to it than yes. that. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like, I, I can't speak for Chris, but, like, even myself, like, I don't really consider myself straight, you know? Like, it's just, I, oh, I think... Oh, I'm definitely not. <laughs> right, right. So, like, we... You know, so we, we all... But but I would have never, you know, really accepted that in the mm-hmm. environment that I grew up in because you have it hammered into you so much that, like, you know, you're going to grow up, marry a nice girl, and die, you know? And, yep. that, and have kids and die. And that's basically, like, your only path in life, you know? And, and this whole opening song is just like, nah, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, personally, if you get a chance, if you haven't got a chance to see Rocky Horror with the alternative black and white opening, I highly recommend watching it, that version, because that has the entire movie in black and white until we get to the time warp. Until we get to the time warp, and not just the beginning of it, once they go through the doors and they meet the unconventional convention. And I think that that is such a good representation of what it's like to potentially be closeted to a sense that you're not even aware that you're closeted totally. because you're you're strapped in because Brad and Janet are living these mundane lives these boring black and white lives because they don't know any better and then going through that door and getting introduced to you know Frankenfurter's uh, convention is this burst of color in their life I, I mean it's brilliant like it, see, it seems so simple mm-hmm. you know and it is in a lot of ways like it seems so simple to have it be black and white first of all just as a reference to you know the old, old movies school, that, yeah. just, just the old school horror that you mm-hmm. know that it's um, that it's homage in here with this movie, but but it's it seems so simple on the surface, uh, but it's it's such a it's such a nice approach to it and such a brilliant approach to it because 
you know, it's it's almost exactly like that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is like that. Like, and, it, you know, th- this is this is why I kind of like that Chris and I can approach it from this way, because, again, we, we grew up in like households that really, you know, weren't like open minded necessarily. And yeah. so and so it really is like that when you kind of go from thinking that you know, sexuality in life is just this one thing. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get out into the world or in this case, you know, see Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show for the first time. And you're like, and, and your, your whole mind is suddenly like opened up to all these different colors and ways of life, you know, and mm-hmm. just like, just like a, a total revelation in a sense, you know? And so it does feel like that. It feels like going from this boring black and white world to like, Oh, there is so much more to life than this. Yeah. And <laughs> And I sort of love this because, you know, this whole movie is basically a seduction of Brad and Janet mm-hmm. uh, in a way. And and it's also a seduction of us as the audience. Yeah. And, and we're really being seduced from the very first moments of the movie where you kind of also brilliantly uh, have these red lips, these disembodied <laughs> red lips that appear. Gorgeous and, red lips. Gorgeous red lips. And, and are singing uh, the song Science Fiction Double Feature. And I love this because, yeah, you have these gorgeous red lips in the color version, obviously. Uh, in the, you have these gorgeous red lips. And, and for those that don't know, by the way, the, the mouth <laughs> belonged to Patricia Quinn, who, who plays Magenta. But it's Richard O'Brien's voice singing the song. Awesome. And so And so she, well, she was kind of pissed about that initially because oh. she wanted to sing it. But, oh. but, but it's Richard O'Brien singing the song. And what I love about this is that you know, you have these pair of lips where, like, you don't know if it belongs to a man or a woman. You know, you don't, mm. you don't, you don't even really know if the voice belongs to a man or a woman. I, I, they're kind of both because it's disembodied and because we don't see any sort of face. You know, they're they're almost sort of like androgynous in that sense. Yeah. Of it could be either or, and I kind of love that because it's, you know, for for the audience, it's sort of this kind of a, initial introduction into like, you know, hey, sex is not about man or woman mm-hmm. it's just about sex yeah it's just <laughs> about people it's about people and 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 you know what you find attractive and whatnot and mm-hmm. and and sensuality and these red lips are very sensual and so you know it's it's kind of like it doesn't matter the sex of the person it's it's do you find this sexy or not you yeah know? And, and i would say yes yes i do <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so i like that it's sort of kind of seducing you right from the beginning and and right away kind of breaking down your traditional viewpoints on sexuality mm-hmm. uh, by kind of having you not really know who these lips belong to and who that voice belongs to. Yeah. And ultimately it doesn't really matter because you've kind of turned on regardless. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, our theme throughout the entire film, which I, I love. Rocky Horror Picture Show for me was really a first time to see you know, non-binary characters, which was huge for me, being able to no. see, you know, the convention where everybody's wearing the same outfit regardless of gender. That was huge, you know, and you're right. This is a seduction of Brad and Janet and us as the audience. And like Brad and Janet, we kind of get broken down and stripped bare. I think that it's so, 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 so smart that they have Brad and Janet in pretty much after meeting, you know, Dr. Frankenfurter and Tim Curry singing that that awesome song, they're stripped down to their skivvies that mm, are pure their skivvies <laughs> that are pure white because that's what Brad and Janet really are. They are plain. I was gonna say innocence. Like, well, innocent too, yeah. 
you know, they're innocent, they're virginal, literally, in every sense of the word. You know, Brad and Janet are people that I could relate to the first time I saw it, people who had mm. never been exposed to any of this before. They're getting stripped bare and then getting introduced to this amazing world, yeah. you know? And then when we do have the literal seduction of Brad and Janet, what I thought was so cool is, A, you know, having Frankenfurter being bisexual and seducing both of them and seducing both of them the exact same way. Mm, like I, with the exact same lines and everything. <laughs> exactly. And that was that I thought was really powerful because to your point, it broke down gender. It's not mm. that, you know, a girl's gonna react one way to this and a man's gonna react a different way. Brad and Janet both reacted the same way to mm. what's happening. You know, and I think that's everything that Rocky Horror is. Rocky Horror is asking you to question your sexuality, your gender, how you present yourself, you know, all of that stuff. You know, yep. and it, it accumulates in, in our in our end song in the in the floor show when they have that great line of don't dream it, you know, be it. That's the whole point of this movie. And that's what we're seducing Brad and Janet to get to is to be themselves. Yeah, no, I, I think you put it perfectly with how, you know, this movie is just all about kind of breaking down conventions of gender and sexuality in the sense that like. Yeah, you know, we, we do see it kind of approach where, you know, both of them are reacting the same way. And, you know, Tim Curry uh, has said that, you know, he considers Frankenfurter to be pansexual. Mm -hmm. I could definitely see that, you know, yeah. and, and I think and I think that's and I think that's a great way to look at it because, you know, pansexual being that you just you just are, are attracted to people. It's not about, again, se sex and gender. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I kind of love that approach to it with having this character that, you know, is pansexual and that you know, through them, we kind of see like this world of, you know, just how freeing and, and, and fun and, you know, just like, and, and, and different from our, you know, conventions that we've brought up to believe, right? Like it, we, we get to see all of that through Frankenfurter and just how like wonderful and exciting that experience is, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the film does a lot of other things too, like just not even with character, but does a lot of other things to kind of seduce us as well. Like I really love Brian Thompson's production design because you know, this film has so much red in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I mean, you know, for for those who maybe aren't like catching on to the movie at first, you know, you might sort of associate like red with horror and whatnot. Uh, but but there's so much red because again, Brad and Janet are being seduced and we're being seduced, you yeah. know. And red is a very seductive color. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I love just that just everywhere they go in this film, or or really the deeper they go into the movie, mm -hmm. the more kind of red begins to pop off the screen. Uh, especially in Frankenfurter's lab, where just like every, everything's red. Everything is red, <laughs> uh, if it's not pinks. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then, you know, going back to the moment where like Brad and Janet, uh, where their life turns from black and white to color in the original or mm -hmm. in the alternate black and white opening, you know, is that moment with the time warps on where <laughs> they walk into the room and, you know, all of these quote unquote Transylvanians are doing the, you know, time warp song or whatever. Yep. And, and and I love that because, you know, to me, time, the time warp is basically just fucking. <laughs> it is. I do not want to admit how long it took me to realize that that song was just straight they, up they about sex. They literally have <laughs> pelvic thrusts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dance moves. We're dance moves. What I really liked with this film in terms of like the seduction, referencing time warp and so many of these songs are about sex. Just different kinds of sex. Yeah, Although, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things that I love is that, like, when it comes to seduction, when it comes to Brad, it's him being more comfortable with his sexuality. And the fact that, you know, he is potentially bisexual, you know, pansexual, might just be gay straight up, like, mm. and is comfortable in women's clothes because he's got that moment with the floor show when he's talking about how sexy he feels in his in his fishnets, and he is very sexy in that, even if he's they calling, all are yeah, again, <laughs> even if he's calling out for his mommy, which is a little weird. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that part's a little weird, but but I mean, yeah. but that makes sense to me in that moment too because it feels kind of like, you know, it, it feels kind of like him. He he's. He, this whole film, like, I think he's struggling to accept who he is, you mm-hmm. know, uh, just just kind of like a lot of characters are. And, it, and you know, I feel like him calling out to mommy is kind of like reaching back to when he was a kid. And, it, you know, and him saying, like, mommy, help me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's it's just that kind of idea of like him, him kind of calling back to what he grew up on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's struggling to kind of move away from that, you know. So I yeah. think that's what him calling the mommy is. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, on the flip side, we have we have Janet, who doesn't seem to really be interested in the, in the same sex. She does make out with Columbia in the pool, but, I mean, who wouldn't make out with Columbia because she's fucking gorgeous? Goddamn right. Um, but Janet's seduction is really more about this thing that I feel like a lot of women kind of have to deal with, which is being comfortable with her own body and her mm-hmm. own sexuality. Because, like, you know, again, we're going to keep referencing the Midwest because that's where we grew up. Um, but I know for me, I was very much raised with... With sex was not for women. We were not supposed to enjoy it. You know, if you did, you were a slut, and that was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really. This is why I love Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror for me was very empowering about not only taking charge of your own sexuality and your own sexual adventures, but your own body. Where the what you wanted. Like I wore shit to Rocky Horror that I never would have worn in real life, and it's not that I was wearing risque shit. It's just, mm. you know. Growing up in Buenos, I didn't feel like I could be wearing short skirts without asking for it. You know, that sort of a thing. I mean, we live in a society where there's a segment of the culture that still says you're asking for it, which is bullshit, you know? But, you know, having Rocky Horror and Rocky Horror very much, again, seducing our main characters and our audience and telling you, hey, wear what you like, love who you love, and that's okay and that's what you should do is huge. Yeah, Yeah. as Frankenfurter says early on in the movie, give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Yes. You know, like that's, (laughs) like, it's on the goddamn poster for the film, you know? It's give you give yourself over to your wants you know yeah and and, and I, so so th- this kind of leads me to like sort of uh an interesting part an interesting piece in the film you know which is kind of exploring a little bit of frankenfurter's uh sort of mentality and his approach to things you know so you've got this moment where so so rocky horror picture show you know <laughs> like i said as a kid i, I was kind of like sort of blown away by the idea that it wasn't a, a straight up horror movie. You know, I mm-hmm. like, I didn't know that it was a musical about all this kind of stuff and whatever. I just thought it was a horror film just hearing the title and, and Rocky horror picture show, you know uh, it, I do consider it a horror film, but there are, there are sparse moments of like abject horror, you know? Yeah. But one of the moments that really does kind of bring an, a, a definite horror into the film is when Frankenfurter kills Eddie <laughs> Uh, played by Meatloaf, you know, who has passed away. When he does kill Eddie, 
uh, in front of his guests. And, you know, it's just like, it's sudden, it's shocking, everybody's screaming. You really get this performance from Tim Curry that I think led to him being cast in things like Pennywise and It eventually because yeah. because he shows how frightening of a person he can be as well. Although, mm-hmm. although you know, from from all recollections of cast and whatnot, from my, from my understanding, Tim Curry is actually a very sweet, nice person. Aww. But, you know, to me, this is really interesting when he kills Eddie, and it's something that I'm kind of, you know, still trying to figure out myself, really, after all these years, is that, you know, to me... Eddie is kind of the symbol of like straight men in a sense, but it's interesting because we understand that he has had that he had a relationship with Frankenfurter, Mm -hmm. so he's not straight, but but he or 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 at least Mm. you know he's not basically like he comes in this film and he you know he's all like Elvis Presley rock and roll you know hey baby like seen him with Columbia you know and just like. He he strikes me as very much like that fifties like straight couple and and Frankenfurter murders him mm-hmm. and and just, well okay it looks like you want to <laughs> say something so like what what is your opinion on like why that happens <laughs> well because I think I think Eddie is a reflection of performance masculinity ostensibly yeah like if we look at Frankenfurter I think you well know, Frankenfurter even says at a certain point when he justifies killing him i think he says he had no muscle or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah uh, he had a certain naive charm but no muscle yeah oh yeah, yeah. performative <laughs> yeah and so i think you know eddie's a really interesting character because it's not that he just walks out eddie bursts onto the screen he comes screaming into the movie like on his motorcycle through a wall of ice and he does it just as Frankenfurter is starting to seduce Rocky starting to get Rocky on his side and starting that relationship type of thing and what I think that Eddie really represents is something that you know probably quite a few people in the queer community have gone through where you're still figuring your stuff out Mm. so you're maybe you know experimenting with a friend who doesn't want to say that they're gay, they're queer or anything like that. They, they don't want to say that they're part of that, even though I get what you're saying. Eddie is that kind of symbol of like the, the queer man who like, isn't quite ready to admit that he's queer. Mm -hmm. And so he's still putting on that kind of like performative masculine straightness. Right. Yeah. Openly flirting with Columbia and saying that he's having sex in the backseat. Right. Right. He's so he's sort of like the guy who might not openly admit that he's in a relationship with Frankenfurter. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. the type of person who he and Frankfurt might be fooling around in private, and then he says like derogatory shit to him in public. Yeah, yeah, I get you. So, so so that that's why I kind of like that he's sort of like our our one and only killing (laughs) by Frankenfurter. You know, Mm -hmm. like you know, to to me, it is kind of um, because I feel like Eddie is like an offense. You Mm -hmm. know, to kind of to kind of what this place is all about you know yeah, what none what of is that ca- hetero shit in this castle yeah <laughs> and even just beyond the hetero shit just like you know it's an offense to not to not accept who you are mm-hmm. it's an offense to to put up this front and act like you're somebody else and kind of you know demean your own sexuality and and the sexuality of people around you mm-hmm. you know so so i feel like that even though you know the film portrays it as jealousy i feel like kind mm-hmm. of the hidden sort of thing there is that where you know it's like there there is no room for that yeah <laughs> in frankenfurter's castle this place is all about being who you are and opening yourself up to everything you know yeah and he um, he doesn't act until rocky seems like he's interested in eddie so it almost seems like frankenfurter's trying to protect rocky from going through potentially the same pain that he went through 
A little bit, yeah. yeah. Like, like you know, again, character-wise for the film, it's jealousy, but but mm-hmm. I like that kind of reading of it. Of you know, in another way, yeah, he's trying to protect Rocky from being hurt in the same way that Eddie has probably hurt him as well. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's why I kind of love that Frankenfurter ends up feeding Eddie <laughs> to everybody. You know, again with one of the few like really gruesome effects in the movie. Uh, I, I love that he ends up feeding him to everyone, which, by the way, uh, many of the cast, when they did the film, did not realize that they were eating Eddie. Uh, as far as I understand it, only Tim Curry, uh, the director, obviously, and Meatloaf knew, well, and Richard O'Brien, of course, as he wrote mm-hmm. it, but only only a few of them really actually knew that Eddie's body was there on the table. So that was... <laughs> so it was a shock for them as well. Yeah. So, but anyway, I, I love that they that, that he feeds him to them because to me, it's almost kind of like... And this is kind of, it's not, it's not perfect. My reading to this is not perfect, but it's almost kind of like devouring, I think, the, uh, the, the straight part of Eddie or, or that concept of straightness. Mm-hmm. It's almost kind of like devouring it and sort of having like this bad taste in your mouth, like sort of being disgusted a little bit by, by Eddie's sort of, you know, unwillingness to fully give himself over to mm-hmm. who he is. Um, okay. Yeah, it, yeah doesn't quite, can, it doesn't quite make sense, but <laughs> no, but I can I can totally see that because like I always kind of question because keep in mind the only people who actually eat Eddie is Doctor Scott and Rocky mm. because everybody else you know Doctor Scott has this line where he's asking about Eddie and Fra- Doctor Frankenberg responds of oh well that's a tender subject and that's when Columbia Brad and Janet both drop they don't touch what they're eating so i always kind of assume that the characters knew that that's eddie that eddie's on their plate but maybe not well well no um, they didn't i mean that's that's yeah. the fascinating thing about it is some of them didn't you know so like I, but i could almost see him as like him you know serving this up of like do you really want this culture do you really want to be a part of this right and do you really S- want to eat yeah. this yeah. and dr sky is just like yes yes i do i want to be in the closet i don't want to acknowledge anything <laughs> like that's why he has such an issue in the well, floor show about him being in in fishnets well but that's why i like when he when he pulls the you know the tablecloth back and reveals it you know mm. I, I do think that it's kind of meant to, like he he wants them to feel disgusted by Eddie. you know he yeah. wants he wants them to feel kind of grossed out by by eddie's you know by by i think eddie's kind of inacceptance of who he is right you know that that feeling like it's yeah it's a representation i think of kind of you know feeling confused and having this bad taste in your mouth that you're not letting yourself be who you are right yeah exactly which is why i also love that frankenfurter says it's a mercy killing (laughs) (laughs) when he when he kills him And, and i and i see how that plays into it uh because it's you know, yeah, in a sense it is because, you know, what what kind of life is it for Eddie to not be able to live as who he really is, right? Yeah. You know, to feel like he has to be somebody else and to project always hide. The, yeah, to hide and project this masculinity, you know? Mm-hmm. And so so which which also kind of leads me to Rocky, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, especially considering the movie is named after Rocky, <laughs> the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky's an interesting character. There are a lot of weird things with Rocky. You know, one <laughs> Our of, dumb little nugget. Yeah, Rocky, who's kind of a reference to, like, you know, the bullshit, uh, perfect man, mm-hmm. uh, Aryanism crap <laughs> from the Nazis of, like, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. Mm-hmm. Which I get... What You know, the more I think about it, actually, as I'm talking, I, I think is sort of a, a way to kind of also be a middle finger to 
Nazism and all that kind of stuff where it's like, hey, here's a perfect Aryan man, a, you know, a gay guy that you persecuted, you know, like, fuck you guys. Like, <laughs> this your perfect man? I'm going to go fuck him right now. Right, He's exa- going to like it. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> but no, but what I think is interesting about Rocky, uh, which, which kind of speaks against that a little bit, I guess, is that, you know, Rocky ends up well first of all i love that he's made with kind of this rainbow coloring yep which was apparently a very difficult scene to do but (laughs) uh but but i love that he's made with this rainbow coloring that's just really cool and but he ends up sleeping with janet and you know i I feel like frankenfurter gets really jealous and upset about that and it's Mm -hmm. almost kind of like rocky's leaving him for janet in a sense Mm -hmm. and i i sort of took that as like you know, not to say that Rocky is straight, but to say that, to say that, you know, we're not, I, I feel like Rocky's whole point maybe is to say that we're not, uh, we can't be forced into a sexuality. Yes. We are who we are, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Frankenfurter kind of creates Rocky for himself. And so I kind of, you know, even though it's sad for Frankenfurter, I kind of like that Rocky has this with Janet because I do think it kind of speaks to the idea that you you are born with the sexuality that you have you know mm-hmm. it's w- whether or not you acknowledge it right away and accept it uh you you are born with it right it's yeah. not it's not something you know un, as, unlike the christians would have you believe where <laughs> just being around queer culture is gonna make you queer or whatever you know like fucking idiots uh <laughs> you know you you are born and you are who you are and mm-hmm. and i kind of i like that rocky is to me this moment's kind of saying like Rocky is not a hundred percent, you know, the sexuality that Frankenfurter wants him to be. Like he's mm-hmm. not, you know, he's not gay. He's into women as well, and you know. Yeah. So, so I don't know exactly what Rocky's sexuality is, but I do just like this idea that uh, that you cannot be forced to be one thing or the other. You are who you are. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. I think the important thing to keep in mind with Rocky is the fact that you know. You know, Frank Inverter even says Rocky only came about through experimentation and an accident. Yeah. You know, and I think that sometimes that's how some of us come into our our own queerness is experimentation, accident. Like for me again, it was stumbling upon Rocky Horror, stumbling upon some of, you know, these queer movies that ended up being really important to me. Um mm. and shaping who I am and all that kind of stuff. And so I think with with Frankenfurter, a lot of this has been experimentation because he originally was hooking up with Columbia and then he switched over to Eddie. Then he made mm. Rocky. And even though he made Rocky, he fucked Brad and Janet, <laughs> you know? And I think it's the same thing with, with Rocky is that he even says in the floor show, he's only several hours old. So if we view Rocky more as ostensibly a baby gay and he's mm. just coming into his own, he's going through his own period of experimentation and figuring out what is he like? What is he not like? And just because he did sleep with Janet, that doesn't, always True. mean anything because he does end up with frankenfurter well Franken- he doesn't end up with him but, no, but he cho- it's clear he has feelings for him. yeah and he i feel like he kind of chooses him at the end he very well after frankenfurter gets murdered by riffraff he could have just gone off with brad and janet well that's a, that's a good point you know i but he king kong's that bitch <laughs> he does king kong that bitch no that's a good point you know i i think i think you're definitely right there is that you know it it is it is all experimentation right so mm-hmm. so again it's why it's why Either way, though, you know, again, whether or not that's the point, I, I think I, I think I like looking at it that way, though, mm-hmm. is that, 
you know, it's not, so it's not about him not being for Frankenfurter or being for Janet. I just like the idea that like, you cannot be, you cannot be forced into anything the way that Frankenfurter is trying to, you know, cause, cause they, they make it very, like they make it very forceful at first with when they, Rocky is born, Frankenfurter literally chases, chases him it. around the lab, like screaming and squealing and, it's and like, then chains him to and, a bed. <laughs> yeah. It's not. So, so there's a lot of forcing going on there, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I, I do just like the idea that you cannot force anyone uh, to be a certain sexuality. They just are who they are. Right. Yes. So, so what, whatever you, what, whatever, whatever area you think uh, or whatever sexuality you think Rocky fits into. I just like the idea that he's not, you know, I just like the idea that you cannot just be what everyone wants you to be. <laughs> no. And I think it's a good reminder, like with Rocky, even with Frankfurter and Brad and Janet, that sexuality is not, you know, a black and white answer. Mm. It's nuanced. And yeah. it's something that I, constantly, I'm not going to say constantly changes, but through, experimentation you figure out new things and that's cool and that's okay yeah no i think so too and this of course all leads to i think uh the the tragedy of the film which of course is frankenfurter's death Mm. this death that i think is really hard to watch both in the context of the film and especially now in a modern lens Mm -hmm. and and really then too you know really for as long as 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 we've talked about these kind of things but first of all i think frankenfurter's message early on in this whole ending uh is great like they end up singing the really great song you know don't dream it be it uh mm-hmm. and and you know it fits into everything we've been talking about here is you know don't don't just imagine this life that you could have like if that's who you are then be who you are you know and, and i kind of love the archaeo pictures <laughs> sign in the background which you know archaeo pictures had a long history with like horror and stuff like that and originally they wanted the fox news broadcast uh but fox wouldn't let them have it so i'm kind of glad yeah i mean well and especially looking back it's like well guys no no wonder fox didn't let them have it you know but but i like i like just the tower the rko symbol of the tower because Mm -hmm. to me it's like it's almost like frankenfurter's broadcasting directly to the audience you know Mm -hmm. of like don't dream it, be it, be yeah. who you are sexually, embrace it, you know, don't hide it. Uh, so I love that. But then it becomes difficult to watch because to me, this whole ending is really about how, you know, just at the time and even now, really, we're still facing this. I mean, it's getting worse, actually, yeah. you know, and which is very upsetting. Uh, and we all, of course, have to keep on top of that. But and I'm gonna have this thing to say about that in a moment. But it's it's so tragic because to me, it's kind of like at the end, everyone has kind of found their place or is starting to find their place. Mm-hmm. And and Frankenfurter knows his place, but he feels like the one person that's not accepted. You know, mm-hmm. like he feels like he feels like the one person that you know, is just not fully embraced by society. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, you know, society being represented by American Gothic aliens, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because they're the ones who kill him is, you know, just to me, it feels like he's being killed because, you know, it, it's like this idea of like uh, trans people having a hard time being accepted, right? Yeah. And, and facing that persecution, which is still horribly relevant. It's a very tragic ending, but I think it's a very, what I appreciate 
appreciate about it is a very realistic ending, especially when it was coming out. And it's unfortunate that it's still applicable today. The last song that they have, they have a line in there of Rose tint my glasses, you know, to keep, keep away the trouble and the pain, something along that lines. And it's very much referencing the fact that you can find your community. You can find your community and you can be at home in that. You can be at home with them and feel confident in yourself, but it's the knowledge that they're not, they're still not fully accepted by regular society. That's mm. why, you know, he's, you know, Frankfurter has that whole dream with his oh. finale song where he's singing to the audience who accepts him and loves him, you know, but that's not the reality of the situation. We're still hearing weird shit like the gay agenda type yeah. of thing. <laughs> You know, and Frankenfurter is very much a testament to that, to all the people in our queer com community, in our queer history, who stepped up, were not afraid to be who they well, were, and still... Well, this is, this, is why, you know. this is why I love the character so much, mm -hmm. is that, you know, I think there are times when you could... I think there are times when you can view Frankenfurter as the villain, you know, like when he murders Eddie. Like <laughs> there, there are certainly times where you can view him as the monster if you want. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately, of course, Frankenfurter is the hero. He's not, yeah. he's not the villain by the end. He's a martyr, you know, he's a martyr and kind of, you know, leading us all to like embracing who we are and all of that. And it's why, again, it's why I think that ending is so tragic and really hard to watch now, especially uh, through a modern lens and just see how little things have changed mm -hmm. because of course you have the doctor you know who who says something like uh like society must be protected Ugh. you know from frankenfurter which mm -hmm. is of course the messaging that we get from the far right you know and yep. really just the right in general uh which is disgusting mm -hmm. um you know like we get we get that message from him of course he's being persecuted by his his fellow Transylvanian aliens, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for being different, even though, you know, they're a brother-sister couple or whatever it <laughs> Fucking is. Fucking incest. <laughs> um, which I almost feel like speaks to the, you know, the fucking sort of hypocrisy maybe of like all these fucking far right people who are trying to marry their goddamn cousin or whatever. Ugh, and, yep. and meanwhile, they're persecuting people like Frankenfurter, but, but you know, there's that. But then I think, I think honestly, maybe the, the most difficult part about it is that Brandon and Janet just stand there and do nothing too. Yes. You know, and Brandon, so Brandon and Janet ultimately kind of remind me of like, uh, frankly, the kind of, you know, the kind of wave that the liberal community is approached by the queer community where it's like, you know, yeah, some of you, you know, say you're for our rights and you say that you're for this and that. But mm -hmm. when it comes to actually stepping up and doing something, you just stand back and let shit happen, you know. And so yeah. I, I feel like that's kind of, if not the intention through a modern lens, really, I think that's kind of how Brandon and Janet play to me is that, you know, they like Frankenfurter has done so much good for them yep. and, and shown them the ways, so to speak. And then they just kind of stand back and let him die. <laughs> you know, and unfortunately I feel like that is very applicable sometimes to queer history and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause we have to remember that the trans community has always been unfortunately on the front lines and in the most danger a lot of the times because mm. the whole con the whole kind of gross concept of passing and what have you. Cause you know, Brad can pass. Janet can pass. I mean, Janet just, is, she's got her libido. She just wants to fuck people now. Like, that's, that's the long right. and the short of it. Um, right. Good for you, Janet. Um, but, you know, Frankenfurter, somebody who not only is 
you know, putting himself out there, putting himself in danger, putting themselves in danger, but trying to educate and help other people. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's such a huge thing. And it's, it's so sad that that's such a scary step. And that's a thing that like, you know, we're, we're a community. We have to look out for each other. We have to protect each other. And mm. that's, I think what we should take away from, 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 from Dr. Frankenfurter. And that's why I feel like we have that moment with Rocky at the end too, where even though Frankenfurter's dead, Rocky, whatever their relationship is, is still trying to protect him and save him. And I feel like that's part of, you know, trying to protect the, the integrity of the movement and what's happening. It's really, you know, it's really just kind of stunning, like how, how much is going on there that I think that, you know, a lot of audiences might not even realize at mm-hmm. first, right? And, and look, I don't know what Richard O'Brien's intentions were mm-hmm. uh, or, or Jim Sharman's with the script, but but it definitely, you know, when you start to really take it apart, right? Yeah. It, it, you know, because I think the first time watching Rocky Horror Picture Show, you really struggle with the tragedy of it, you know? Because mm-hmm. Frankenfurter becomes a character that you adore. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know many people that watch this movie and are like, I don't like the character of Frankenfurter. Like, you nobody, know, he, nobody feels that way. Like, he, <laughs> you know, he, he's many of our favorites and, and and he's a character that you love. And, and you know, the whole idea behind the character of like, like opening us up and leading us, you know, and being this martyr, like th- there's so much positivity in that, you know, yeah. that it's kind of a struggle to see him just suddenly just randomly be killed off by these aliens who betray him and and even the betrayal kind of seems to come out of nowhere right like Mm -hmm. it just you sort of struggle with that but but you really just i think once you kind of put your feelings aside and like how (laughs) upsetting it is you know you really begin to kind of understand of like it's supposed to hurt like it's supposed to show the rest of us of just how senseless the death of Frankenfurter is, you know? Yeah. It's supposed to show it. And, and, and you're supposed to, I think, be mad mm-hmm. that, that Bran and Janet just stand there and do nothing. And, and you're supposed to like see Rocky defending him because, you know, Rocky is this symbol of the queer community and, you know, Frankenfurter having designed him as that, right. And him mm-hmm. trying to save him. Like it makes sense that Rocky is the one who stands up for him. It makes sense that, uh columbia stands up for him you know because you can definitely get the sense that she's queer as well Mm -hmm. which by the way i found it interesting that her and magenta were actually at one time the same character and it was kind of yeah they were originally one character and it was kind of split for for a way to kind of fit her into a role but anyway really just like it all it all really hits home when you kind of really start to take it apart and look at it that way of like oh this is why it's like this you know (laughs) well and keep in mind too that this movie came out before the aids crisis right like you know so this is this very much is a movie about you know finding your community being comfortable with yourself and acknowledging the fact that we have to protect each other and it's all the more tragic especially with frankenfurter because his song i'm going home is all about him loving who he is and wanting to find his place where he's accepted and he can just go home and be free. And to, to your point, to then have his own people turn on him. Mm. Like, and that's something that we do see. And we have seen in our society that people are trying to drive wedges between people in the LGBT community, mm. drive wedges between us so that we're not sticking up for each other. Right. Like, and I'm very much looking at people in the queer community who are Republicans because, hey, that's fucked up. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a certain point where it's like, not to get political for a moment, but it's like, there's a certain point where it's like, 
you know, you can't vote Republican and say you're for gay rights. You know? Yeah, it, <laughs> it's that thing of like, you're not special. They're coming for all of us. And so we yeah. have to stay together. And that's Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror Picture Show is be yourself, accept the fact that you are potentially wearing rose tinted glasses when you're with your community. Just because you're with a community that accepts you doesn't mean that you're safe. But if we're together in this, hmm. then then we have a hope. Yeah. So on that dark note, we got to... <laughs> <laughs> the ending uh, is very sad. Yeah. I mean, look, ending's sad. We had to get sad for a moment. But yeah. but it's all it's all with the positive messaging of, like, stand up for each other, you know? Yeah. Um, but all right. So we do have to start wrapping up. So who is your killer idiot of the Rocky War Picture Show? Fucking Riff Raff for shooting Frank and Rocky. <laughs> Fuck that idiot. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, of course, like I, I did put Rocky just because he is the dum dum of the movie, but <laughs> but he's a cute. Little, he's only like a couple hours old. He's expected to be a little dum dum. He's still a dum dum. Yeah. <laughs> he's still the dum dum of the movie. <laughs> but yes, uh, Riff Raff would be a second vote for me uh, because you know, ultimately, fuck Riff Raff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about your killer death? I mean, we don't really have that many, and I'm not going to say Frankenfurter because that's fucked up. We need that many. We, we have as many deaths in this as, like, the original Halloween. Two? Three. There's, there's like, four or five deaths there's in this There's only, movie. like, three. Are you kidding me? Okay, Eddie, okay. Rocky, Eddie, Rocky, Rocky Columbia, Frank. Oh, yeah, Columbia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, it's obviously Eddie. Obviously Eddie, because I'm not going to cheer for any of the other deaths because they make me sad. Well, it's not about cheering for it. I, I, I think Rocky's uh, my killer death because I just look. I'm a sucker for big, dramatic, tragic deaths, right? And it's I, fair. I, I think Rocky's just such a cool moment. You know, it's you got that epic music. Mm-hmm. It really hits you in the feels. You know, uh, he's climbing the tower like King Kong. You know, I love that reference and mm-hmm. like. It's just, and it's just like the set's really cool. I love him climbing this tower and falling into the pool. Like, just it's all, it's all really uh, uh, over the top and extravagant, and I like that about it. That's fair. Um, what about your killer MVP? Okay, Tim Curry, obviously. Yeah, it's it's Tim Curry. I, I, I don't mean, give a shit if you call me basic. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna call you basic. It is Tim Curry. I, yeah. Tim Curry's the indisputable MVP for me. I mean, yes. You know, look, everybody in this is great. Uh, of course, the the creators of Rocky Horror are great. Uh, but to me, it's Tim Curry because, again, you know, Tim Curry came onto the scene. This is his first feature role, mm-hmm. and he just steals the show every chance he gets. You know, he he is he is, I think, the the best character. He he gives the best performance. Yep. You know, uh, and you know, fucking praise Tim Curry for being able to manage those heels the way that he oh my does. God, he's like, so <laughs> good in those heels because, like, look, I I love like, Rock- mo- like there are a lot of women who can't walk in heels as well as he does. Look, I love Rocky, but Peter Hinwood could not walk in those heels in the floor show. Yeah, and and Tim Curry rocks it like a pro. Yeah, no, no, he 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 is. He's a pro, and he and he does that all so well. And like, I and yeah, and I I do really love that. You know, Tim Curry brings this sort of sexuality to it that I think makes anybody watching it go, yeah, yeah, I'm attracted to him, you know, yeah. like, uh, and, and, and if you say you're not, then, you know, maybe you're not, but, but I, but, but I you would, also might be lying, <laughs> but I would bet that some of those who say they're not are lying, you know, so, yep. <laughs> uh, but, but he does, he has, he has this presence that I think, you know, ultimately I think he really makes you consider, uh, the trans community, you know, mm-hmm. he, I, for 1975, uh, keeping in mind that like, uh, I think the terms transgender didn't even come around until 1971 mm-hmm. uh, and, and transsexuality, I think, wasn't a term until the 1900s. Uh, you know, he, he really is this character that I think really makes society consider 
the trans community, you mm-hmm. know, and, and really and and brings an empathy to that and brings, you know, in a, in a, a hopeful acceptance, you know, where you watch this character and you're like, I love this person. Yeah. You know, like, again, not to be sad for a moment, but it's like the thing the thing that I want to end on here before we get into our audience reactions is, you know, just a brief note, because <laughs> uh, I have to with this episode is that. You know, we have so many laws that are being passed or or up for being voted on mm-hmm. uh, in Republican states that, you know, anything from like the don't say gay bill to, you know, to uh, I think it's I think it's Tennessee or Texas, maybe that, you know, is trying to make a child abuse by even accepting that your child is, is oh. trans. Like, you know, there there's just there's such an affront and an attack on trans people right now that and, and the queer community as a whole that like. You know, I just think that this movie is almost more important than ever mm-hmm. uh, in how it kind of speaks to, you know, just how how we need to have an acceptance for this, how yeah. we need to open ourselves up uh, to 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 ideas outside of our comfort zone, you know, or or to, or to things that we maybe didn't understand initially. Look, uh, that's what horror films are all about. Like, as as members of the horror community, Matt's talked about this before, of this, this tendency for people to dismiss horror movie fans. I know Matt's dealt with it a lot, of, like, kind of being, being written off or being considered weird because you're into horror films. And it's one of those things yeah, that, Yeah, I mean, like, these are two very, very different they, things, but... <laughs> they are, but it, it's that sense of, as a community, we protect our own. And I think it's the same thing the the trans community and the queer community has a tendency to get written off and mislabeled and theirs is so much more dangerous um because of what can happen to them and so we are a community we have to protect our own because if we don't who else will right yeah so so the point is is like like i don't give a fuck if you're a democrat or republican or whatever but but i will say this is that you know if, if you care about if you care about gay rights and you care about the trans community and the queer community uh, you cannot, with good conscience, vote Republican right now. No. I'm just saying. I, I'm not. I'm not asking people to vote Democrat. I'm not asking you to vote for anything. I'm just saying, like, if you care about queer rights, you know, stand up. Yeah. Like, say something. Don't be quiet. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, right, right now, more than ever, is not a time to be quiet. No. Uh, but anyway, so all right. On that serious note, <laughs> let's get to our audience reaction. So every week on Twitter at Killer Critics, uh, we like to put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film, what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, I've never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on the Rocky Horror Picture Show? I mean, is this even a question? It's love it. You know, surprisingly, this poll uh, was not as... Uh, uh, surprisingly, love it didn't win by as large of a number as I thought it did. It's still won by a large number. I mean, I'm going to uh, have to cl- clutch my Frank Pearls. No, right lo- love it was 60.6%. Good. But, but we've had polls where, like, the film won by, like, 85 or 90%. So, Fair enough. So 60.6%, uh, it's fine was 24.2%. Don't like it was 6.1% and never seen it was 9.1%. So I was actually pretty surprised by this poll because I did think that love it would be a higher number. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it's fine is whatever. Uh, don't like it. Everyone's welcome to their opinion. But I was surprised that almost 10% of people had not seen this movie. Because to me, again, I, it's it. this is like one of the films for me that like defines the term of like cult midnight movie. <laughs> This is the cult movie, you know? (laughs) I think this goes back to what you were talking about in the beginning of the episode of why you hadn't seen the movie yet. Because maybe, you know, people read the the synopsis and they feel like it's not 100% their jam. You know, same reasons why you didn't see it right away. 
Well, yeah, but it was different when I was a child as opposed <laughs> to, you know, becoming a high schooler. So, like, Fair <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, so we'd like to get comments from you all as well. So these are all from Twitter. Uh, first up is at Narcotic Casser One. So that's Narcotic, C-A-S-S-E-R, and then the number one. And they say, Rocky Horror Picture Show is embedded in my DNA and has been a vital component in my development as an actor and a performer. And I consider it a vital rite of passage for any aspiring performer to be in a shadow cast as it will encourage you to expand your comfort zone and even help you know thyself. <laughs> okay, I'm so jealous of you if you got to be in the shadow cast because that was like my dream when I was in high school. I wanted to be in the shadow cast, but I'm, I'm with you. Rocky Horror Picture Show is a part of my DNA. That's how important that this movie is, you know, just to people in general. So yeah. 100% agree, and also fair, really, really jealous. Who were you? I want to know who you were. Well, so they left a, they left a photo. I'm pretty sure that they were Frankenfurters. So. <gasps> That's amazing, <laughs> and I love you more now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so no, I, I have nothing to add to that other than just, yeah, I, I do think that any aspiring performer should uh, <laughs> do a production of this. And, it, you know, I, it's, yeah, I, 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 can, I consider a rite of passage just in being a person, just yeah. watching this movie and just kind of, challenging you know your your ideas on sexuality you know and just mm -hmm. kind of opening yourself up to things because the thing about rocky horror picture show is it's not just about it's not just about accepting transsexuality it's about just accepting all sexuality yeah you know it's about opening yourself up to all of it so seriously uh, go to a midnight showing yes midnight showing. yes definitely go to a midnight showing it'll be a blast you'll have a great time uh, but anyway, thank you at Narcotercaster one for the comment. Appreciate it. Next up is a comment from at the Sean G. So that's the S-H-A-W-N and then the letter G. And they say, I don't think there was a more fun midnight showing to go to than Rocky Horror. Costumes, sing-alongs, you never wanted to miss one of these screenings because it was always a blast. I 100% agree. It's the only thing that bums me out is that I haven't seen a midnight showing in forever. But yeah. It's been a few years for us, yeah. Yeah, you get to yell things, you get to dance in the aisles, you get to throw things. Like, if you want to feel like you're a part of a community, a movie community, that's why you go to the midnight showings. The only one that I feel like even comes close that we've been to is the L.A. Horrorthon that we love. And I love the L.A. Horrorthon because it reminds me of Rocky Horror. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. We've already said it. It's a blast to go to these. Definitely do it if you can. Uh, so thank you at the Sean G for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up was a comment from at BeerNut1. So that's beer, N-U-T, and then the number one. And they say, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a fun movie. I still remember being 14 and my parents dropping me off at 11.30 p.m. Saturday night for a midnight showing complete with the stage show of local actors enthusiasts at the local old classic movie theater at the Michigan where I grew up at. What a great memory and time. That's amazing. Yeah, I think you never forget your first time. I think I was 16. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I You never forget your first time. I was in high school as well, I think. And it or I was in high school as well. And I just wanted to comment on the fact that you were 14 at the time. And again, this is why I love this movie is I think that whether or not parents even realize what it is, <laughs> Probably <laughs> which, I, not. which I feel like at least for Chris and I, a lot of Midwest parents really didn't understand Rocky Horror Picture Show. Nope. I, I do like that. It is kind of like in an opening up of the world for teenagers. You know, this is a very mm -hmm. popular movie with teenagers as it should be. And I, I love that a lot of us discover it at that age. Uh, when you do begin to kind of, question these things and and kind of discover yourself you know so it's a great age to see it yes <laughs> uh so anyway thank you at beer not one for the comment appreciate it uh next up is a comment from at sinful underscore redhead so this is my friend sarah uh or so that's s-i-n-n-f-u-l underscore redhead this is my friend sarah who has a podcast as well you should check her out and follow her 
Uh, she says, probably one of my favorite musicals. The music is phenomenal and the casting is perfect. I cannot picture anyone else as Frankenfurter other than the amazing Tim Curry. How can you not get up and join in whenever you hear the time warp? You can't. You must time warp. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us, when we hear the time warp, we all react like criminologists. And we get up on a fucking table and we do the goddamn time warp. Them's the rules. Indeed, those are the rules. Um, Yeah, and, and the quick thing I'll say to that is, you know, I, I do agree that it's hard to picture anybody uh, doing better in the role than Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. The thing that I will say, though, is I, I like the idea that, you know, that anyone can play the role, though, because... Yes. I, I just like the idea of anyone of every, every anyone and everyone getting to be in those shoes and to play that role and to you know experience that and open themselves up you know yeah. and so uh, yeah <laughs> it's on my bucket list to see this live to see a stage show of this this is that's what I want more than anything else right now all right so anyway thank you at sinful underscore redhead for the comment appreciate it and last is a comment from at Jeff underscore Zilla underscore PCP. So that's J-E-F-F underscore Z-I-L-L-A underscore P-C-P. And they say, generally not a fan of musicals, but this one is the exception, 10 out of 10. So I wanted to include this uh, just because, you know, I I feel that, you know, there are, of course, a lot of people that are not a huge fan of musicals. Totally understandable. I I love that Rocky Horror is kind of that film where, like, for a lot of people, if you're not in the musicals, you still have a great time with this one. Yeah. Um, cause I do think it is that movie. I think it's that mm-hmm. film where if you're not super in the musicals, Rocky horror will, if not change your mind, at least be a musical for you that you enjoy. So, yes. Agree. Uh, so I just love that about it. So anyway, thank you at Jeff underscore Zilla underscore PC for the comment. Appreciate it. And last thing we do is just your releases for the week and when you can look out for the week. So, uh, first up was a film called virus 31, which comes to shutter on the 21st. Uh, I have not seen this one. It kind of sounds like your sort of typical zombie operate kind of movie, uh, but it looks fun. So, you know, seek it out, check it out. Uh, next was a film called We're All Going to the World's Fair, which comes to VOD on the 22nd. And this is about a girl who finds reality slipping after becoming immersed in an online role-playing horror game. Uh, this one has been playing festivals for like a year. I somehow have not caught it every single time. <laughs> so I still have not seen this one. Uh, but I've heard great things. It looks really interesting, so definitely check that one out if you can this week. And then, well, not quite horror, I want to throw a mention for The Northman, which is coming to theaters on the 22nd. You know, Vikings movie from Robert Eggers. It looks absolutely incredible. <laughs> and I've heard nothing but great things about it so far, so definitely check that out if you can as well, and if you're comfortable going to theaters. Uh, next week, we are covering the film The Lure to wrap up the month. The whole reason I want to do horror musicals. Indeed. Uh, So go check that out if you can. Uh, Do your homework there and get prepped for next week. Uh, Otherwise, that's going to do it for us on the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Again, Chris and I are not experts on this movie. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot we can say about it that hasn't already been said. Uh, But hopefully you all just enjoyed that and hopefully we brought something to it that maybe you hadn't thought of before. But anyway, that's going to do it for us. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at KillerFromSpace, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night. Horror fans. <laughs> <laughs>